You're listening to KNON 89.3 FM in Dallas and Fort Worth, the voice of the people. Welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Patty Fink and Laurent Landis. All of us here together for the first time in a number of weeks. Yes. Yep. And our guest today is Jesse Moreno. He's the city councilman for District 2. Uh, he's succeeding his wife, who was city council person <laughs> in District 2 for eight years. Right. <laughs> Actually, it was not, Mayor not Pro exactly. Tim at a Madrano, but Monica... Monica ran, Monica ran the, the show. district too. Yeah. So Monica was uh, Adam's assistant. <laughs> Mon Monica was the the force of nature behind everything. I think. Yes, she's she's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I missed having her at city hall because when I need something during the week, I actually have to call that district now. So it used to be that call Monica if Monica wasn't there. Uh, v was call, there? Uh, no, then I'd call Laura over in Adam uh, in, uh, in Omar's, Omar's office. office. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I certainly miss having Monica there. But welcome, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the second second best thing, right? <laughs> so you're the second best thing, yeah. So, no, th the thing with Monica is she knew where everything was, who did what, who was not going to do anything, and got it done. Yeah, and you know, and that, that's the benefit that, that I, the beauty that I have is that uh, intellectual knowledge, historical knowledge of going back eight years. And so it, it's nice to have her as a soundboard. Well, if, if you need to know anything, you can just say, hey, where do I get such and such? And, oh, that's in the second drawer, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so was there ever any discussion of her running or from get-go? Like, yes, you were we all it. thought she was going to run. Yeah, you know, uh, absolutely. You know, people asked, uh, hey, Monica, you know, are, are you going to run? Are you interested? And she, it's not for her. She, she works at the, the, back, the back of the room and, and gets things done. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people were, were looking up to her and, and asking her, you know, do you think you're going to uh, uh, succeed? Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Medrano and... Um, yeah, you know, my my wife and I have a uh, a three and a half year old, so part of those dynamics also you know are difficult. Uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe in the future. So what prompted you to run? So I've been involved with City Hall since I was a teenager. Uh, I've been walking the the, the halls of of, uh, of the fifth floor since uh, uh, our late uh, Mayor Pro Tem uh, John Loza, who appointed me to the to the Youth Commission when I was a, a 
still in high school. That's impressive. When you were a youth. Yeah, yeah, when I was a youth. And now uh, he's not anymore. I've only been in office for three months, but I I, I feel that I've aged a few (laughs) years already. And you'll notice a lot of people go into City Hall with with a full set of hair, Uh uh, but they come out (laughs) with shaved heads. Did you see there was a picture of uh, Obama and Michelle this week uh, announcing the beginning of the construction of the Obama Library? God, he's aged. She looks great. She looks fabulous, like just like she did when when they went into office. He has aged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Old head of gray hair. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of before and after photos of presidents, especially. But I think it's true at City Hall. Right. I mean, eight yeah. years is a long time. If you saw and Jesse whoo. on the campaign trail. Completely different now. He, here's, here's somebody sitting before us who looks old and decrepit. No, no, and, no, no, you do not. But now I want to hear more about this. I think this is pretty inspiring yeah. to young folks. We're always telling young people to get involved, um, even before you can vote. Um, get involved sure. and. How did how did a teenager? Sure. You know, and I'll start off with that. You know, I, I had a, a lot of uh, uh, people who questioned. Uh, you know, is uh, Jesse's uh, the hand-selected person for, for District 2, right? We, we, heard, we heard that uh, throughout different conversations in the city of Dallas, but you're absolutely right. We tell people, we tell our young folks, get involved at an early age. Uh, in, uh, embrace your city today rather than inheriting it when you're 30, 40, 50 years old. Um, and so, and I continue to advocate our youth to, to get involved uh, and and that's why you're going to see a, a lot of my board of commissioners who are going to be young people, uh, but also people with experience. You have to have a, a, a nice balance. Um, and, and so I, I, I owe uh, my start to my parents who took a uh, interest in, in my education and said, we want to make sure our, our, our kids have the best education possible. And that's how we started getting involved with uh, DISD, uh, city council. And, and then your private there. schools in the Northeast. What's that? Then you, you, your private schools in the Northeast. <laughs> Continue with your story. You know, most people on city council are just used to me. <laughs> I don't know how to control it. Just, just ignore David. Just, just, just ignore David. David. Go just on, go on. on. So your parents so were instrumental. Uh, instrumental in you know, making sure that um, I received the best public education possible. You know, we're, we're big supporters uh, and, and uh, promoters of, of our ISD schools here in Dallas. Um, and so started getting involved with that. Our, our trustee at the, at the time was um, uh, Ron Price, and uh, he saw my leadership um, on the, on the uh, Woodrow Wilson um, Student Council, and he asked if I would be willing to serve on the Dallas Teen Board. And I did that for about a year. Uh, and... Um, John Loza took quick notice and said, hey, you know, I want you on the Dallas Youth Commission. Um, and within that first year, I was uh, as chairman of the, of the Dallas Youth Commission. And that really opened my eyes to see the divide in Dallas from north and south. And really when I said, you know, we, we need to do more, we need to do better. And so started you know wanting to uh to better my entire community uh, i remember uh to this day uh when i decided i wanted to run for city council and i was a teenager in high school like i said uh, i was invited to a, a ribbon cutting uh by then uh, councilwoman pauline medrano at one of our neighborhood parks 
And I saw the transformation of what the park used to look like and what it looks like today. And all the families that got to benefit from one act. And, and that's really what motivated me and inspired me rather to say that's what I want to do one day. And so here we are. That's awesome. I want to go back to the Youth Commission. What does the Youth Commission actually do? Sure. So the Dallas Youth Commission is basically a team board of of uh, councilors of, of, uh, of appointed by the mayor and, and the, and the uh, council members for their representative districts. And so we, we look at policy issues that are uh, affecting kids. For example, curfew. Mm-hmm. That was a big discussion about a year ago. Uh, curfews, how that, how that impacts um, maybe ki- uh, students who have to work after school or uh, homeless individuals. And, and that really also you know, kids in, in schools can know uh, wh- who of their um, of their classmates are struggling, and so those are the type of issues, real world issues, that we, that we are tackling on the youth commission. Not so much on the education side, but on the quality of life and and, um, and the just day to day well being of of youth. Well, you know, it's it's not a trivial thing. A youth experiencing homelessness. A couple of years ago, DISD reported that they had 3,300 kids in the district who were experiencing homelessness and, and those, still in school. Those were the ones, right, I was going to say, that are still in school. Mm-hmm. How many kids that age who are experiencing homelessness can't get to school? Yeah, and are, just gave up. And with that, you know, right now we're uh, really making strides at City Hall and DISD and partnerships with AT&T to do a uh, bridging the digital divide. Mm -hmm. Because as we know, during the pandemic, some of the schools were closed and these kids didn't have a a home, let alone internet access. And so we're really making uh, an impact, making sure that that our youth are connected at least digitally uh, until we get back to... What were some of the creative ways we did bridge that divide. I mean, I know we were giving out an iPad to any student that needed one. And with that came hotspots. DISD did a a great job of making sure that every student had a um, a hotspot. And then, but we also realized a lot of these families had multiple kids uh, at the home, right? Two, three, four, five kids. And we realized that that one hotspot was not enough to and a parent working from home get, to get everyone <laughs> right to get everybody on, on board and uh, on the internet at, at one given time and so uh, that's when we you know DIC stepped up and said okay we're going to give you two or three and, and now we're seeing our corporate uh, uh, partners like AT and T who about two weeks ago uh, started a lab over at Family Gateway making sure mm-hmm. that that those kids um, had internet access but also their parents. Uh, because so so many uh, families are struggling th- through job losses right now, and so also being able to go somewhere to uh, apply for for jobs, and, and so so and, and next is parks and libraries, making sure all our parks and libraries um, outside the libraries, of course, uh, inside of the library you can log on to 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 the internet, but sometimes people just want to grab their laptop or their phones and, and, and do that work outside, and so so those are some of the next um, initiatives that you're going to start seeing. Mm-hmm. That's great. And that's, you know, what's interesting is that it's not just Dallas. It's all over the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we hear from people who are just live in rural areas, which is the majority of the land base in the United States is rural um, and, and agricultural and ranching. And they the, the connectivity out there is just 
you know, yeah. really hard. Spotty when it's working. Exactly, exactly. So, and this issue actually predates the pandemic. It's just gotten worse since the pandemic. Right, it's really it's, yeah, revealed issue, right. the cover back on mm -hmm. it to see how bad it is. Exactly. <laughs> well, because before the pandemic, it was nice to have the Internet, but you could live without it. You can't go to school without it right now. No, you can't. So, um, You mentioned a couple of other things that the Youth Commission did, and I'm curious, curfew, what were some of the recommendations about the curfew? You know, some of the recommendations were that, that working with with, uh, with City Hall and, and, and law enforcement and, and making them realize that not everyone is just out on the streets because because they want to. Some people, again, don't have a home to be at or are, are getting from sports or uh, uh that second job that they have to be at to help their families and so some of the recommendations were just to to push back the 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 hours but also to um have an education um discussion with, with those people making making the decisions um f f for the police I, I know their first reaction was i'll drive you home <laughs> what did they do with the kids who said there's no home to drive me to. It's a, it's a, it's a great question. I, I mean, what, were, what was happening to those kids? Um, what was happening to the kids who, who said, you're the third officer that stopped me, I'm walking home from work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, these, the, the curfew um, a number of years ago when um, <clears throat> there, were, there were a look at the actual citations being issued and it's... Um, overwhelmingly, incredibly disproportionately um, affecting people of color, Great. young people of color. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just, I mean, you, you don't see a, a car being pulled over after the curfew hours in far north Dallas. You just don't. It's, you know, they were targeting these kids. So curfews is one of those things that I think is, um, uh, it should be reviewed from that perspective first. Is it being applied fairly? And if it can't be applied fairly, then we shouldn't have one. You know, that's my view. <laughs> Even with uh, outside of, uh, you know, uh, being out past curfew, then there was the issue of truancy. Even during the day, kids not showing up to school uh, for various reasons, um, they would end up in court also, and that disproportionately affects uh, affect the students of color. Absolutely, you know, you know we, we can talk all day long of, of uh, teenagers who, who are, are, are out late at night uh, not going to work, or that do have a home, because mm -hmm. we do have, mm -hmm. a, 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 you know, a, a good number of, of folks who, if they do encounter uh, uh, an altercation with DPD, don't have the excuse. Well, you know, I don't. Um, I'm not going. I'm not going to work. Or I, you know, I do have a house. But we have to. To your point, we have to get to the root of the problem. Why are these individuals? Why are these kids out and about? And so we really have to dig deep into into that and figure out. Well, maybe it's that our recreation centers aren't open late enough. And so that's why recently we introduced uh, uh, late teen night, making sure our our rec centers went into till 10 p.m. Uh, but in some instances, that might, that might not be late enough yet, and we only do that once a month or so. And so, 
you know, that, that's why it's so critical that uh, when we're discussing the budget, that we are hearing from uh, parents, uh, from kids, on, on how uh, to best use our city funds. I think that's a really good um, priority to make. You know, I mean, like we were, last week we were talking about it with with Chad West, Mayor Pro, Mayor Pro Tem Chad West, um, about the as he called them speed racers. Mm-hmm. I always think of that cartoon in the '70s, <laughs> yeah. Speed Racer. Yeah, right, right. Um, but we have so, we have a lot of kids who are doing that. Right. And you know, wow, it's that that's that's a problem. For one, they're risking their life every time they do it, and they're risking the lives of others. Mm-hmm. Right, and to that point, we, we need to figure out why why are they doing it? Because there, there is no, um, the, I mean, we do have kids out there who, who do have a home to go to, who 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 don't have to work, but they're but they're out there uh, either joyriding or, or, or doing uh, you know the, the the donuts and the peel outs, and um, we have to figure out. Why they're going out there? Why they don't have, wake up uh, and text? Why they might not have the family support? And so it's it, it's not as simple as just giving a citation, um, because the last thing I want to see is now the start of a record. Mm-hmm. And you know, next it's something else because now, now they they have a a, a curfew or a truancy uh, charge on, on their record, and so. We, you know, I, we just we've got to dig deeper and, and find out the, the why kids are out there. So, so, so you're here. You are. You're a teenager on this committee. Um, it's you. You know, you're op- you're opened up into a world of public service. Not, not something that most teenagers have an opportunity to do. Um, what was it like being a young person with all these adults? Um, meaning. Did they actually listen to a young person's opinion or recommendations about things that affect young people? Or was it like, okay, we have somebody here young, but we're really not paying attention to You know, I, I really do think that um, our elected officials really took our, um, our words to heart. Good. Uh, first of all, you know, they, they were, uh, we were their appointees, so that they had a relationship. But also, it's really impactful when you have a group full of kids go into a chamber or go into a horseshoe, uh, I really feel that our elected officials take a step back and, and, and are really listening um, because it's not every day that they see kids taking an interest um, in their future um, to, to make a change in their city. So, so it, it is a great positive impact. And, and Laron, that was back when we had really good elected officials like John Loza. <laughs> Oh, wow. For our audience listening, uh, Jesse is laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm, I'm pretty serious, guys. Well, I have to say, you know, this council um, in this cycle is perhaps the most progressive we've ever seen. I I agree 100%. I mean, ever, ever in the city of Dallas. Um, So that, that was exciting to me to see how it all fell. Um, when we had the election and then the runoffs, and yeah, some of the amazing. conservative members like Adam Madrano are gone. <laughs> so, but, so it was just time for that kind of a change. We need to take a break. We're talking to uh, Dallas City Council District Two Representative uh, Jesse Moreno. Uh, most of you who I, I would say most people who are involved know your wife. 
because she was at every meeting with Adam, always. See, I've, so. known, Je- I've known Jesse from his <laughs> own record, and I bet a lot of people do. I was going to say, more and more people are going to get to know Jesse, but I'll bet people who knew Adam, they know uh, Monica. Yes. So, uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I'm complimenting. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have another segment to try to make it, <laughs> try to do that better. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about... Uh, uh, Jesse's work helping to found senior safe LGBT safe recreation centers. Some of us old people just like to be called old and decrepit. See, I've embraced my elderly. You have. Yes. And I, we get to call them old and decrepit a lot. Uh, and they do. So I've embraced that. So we'll talk about his old and decrepit uh, LGBT safe recreation center plan. Right after this, you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. We'll be back right after this, these messages. I'm Dallas City Councilman Adam Medrano, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. Had to play that one. Uh, we're talking to Dallas City Council person who succeeded Adam Medrano, Jesse Moreno. Um, before the break, I mentioned you were Partially, mostly responsible as Hey guys, I'm CD Kerbin. Yes, she is. I don't know. It just instantly started. You, you might not have noticed this, but sometimes things on the board don't work right. Um, it's K O N. It's not Pledge Drive, but that's why we have Pledge Drive, is because we, we need your help. Right, right. Uh, I, I mentioned as a Dallas Park Board member, you're responsible for helping to create LGBT-safe senior citizen recreation centers. Tell us how that came about. Sure. So uh, I had the opportunity to serve on the Dallas Park Board for about six years. Uh, during that time... And you were president of Park Board. Uh, I was vice president for a, a period of time until I was uh, removed from that position and, and, and uh, became just a regular member. Okay. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, I had the opportunity to to meet a lot of uh, uh, community activists, organizers, and um, just great people. Um, when you when you do this work, you can't do it alone. It, there's just there's just too much going on, and and you have to have some help. And I had the the great uh, honor of meeting uh, Portia, who. Um, He's love part you. of it. We love Portia. Yeah. Portia Portia and she's my yes. hero. Yeah. Yeah. Portia's been on several times. Yeah. We need to have Portia back. Yes. We do. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. She, she, she's just incredible. And, and a lot of great things come up with, come about from just an idea, right? Those <clears throat> projects that, that don't come through, through training or, or, through, or through leadership, but just organically good ideas and Portia came to me and said hey you know we don't have a safe place for our LGBTQ plus community and I said okay well what are we gonna do about it <laughs> and she said you know well you know I think we need to do this and and I was like okay well I'm gonna set up a meeting with our our assistant director over park and recreation and that's really how it was born and what we did was yes everyone knows that our recreation centers are supposed to be open and anyone can go in and there's no discrimination 
But do people feel safe? Do people feel welcome when they walk in through those doors? And so that was really, that really hit on me is, you know, is the staff who greets you at the front door, have they, do they know how to um, greet someone? Do they know, do you have know, they gone through training? And the answer to that is, you know, I don't know what to say to a, a gay person who walks in here. How about hello? You know, it, it, the answers sometimes are obvious and they're simple. And if somebody has never dealt with a community before, what do you say? Right. And, and you're right. And, you know, and, and that's why we specifically started at River Sean, mm-hmm. uh near, um, near Oak Lawn, because we knew that we did have uh, uh, community members who were using that recreation center. And they just, you know felt either dismissed or not not welcome and so we uh, started uh, having sensitivity training for all our our staff at at Riverstone first and now that's blossoming on to all our recreation centers across uh, the city of Dallas and so we're the first recreation center uh, large city in in the southwest to to have this program go through Um, and it's just uh, a way to make sure that if I go into a building, you go into a building, you go into a building, you go into a building, we all get the same response. We all get the same feeling of being uh, welcomed and appreciated when we're going through uh, through the recreation right, just center. A simple welcome. Yeah, simple. It goes a long way. It, is all, it does go a long way. Um, so Portia was scheduling some activities. Have those resumed yeah, so, yet? Yeah, so those are res- uh, have not resumed just because <clears throat> of COVID. Uh, but right, it, it was, you know, finding even just the time for a group of, of, of people to be able to go into a room. That was a challenge early on. So we were able to carve out times that uh, Portia and her group would be able to go in and, and just socialize, right? Uh, and, and that's what our seniors have really been, taken a toll uh, during the pandemic from la- lack of socializa- socializing. And so, again, here comes Portia. <laughs> well, you know, we, you can't go in the building. Well, all right, well, that's not going to stop me. So she started doing round tables or, uh, around um, outside in the parks, you know, get, getting blankets and chairs and, and doing a, a circle with, you know, everyone being six, ten feet apart uh, because she knew and she understood that a lot of uh, – of people in our community were were uh, just not getting that um, um, we're not getting people around them just to communicate and socialize, and more so our seniors, uh, because our seniors just sometimes are forgotten. Elderly folks and our seniors, yeah. um, in during COVID, have really had an impact with um, due to isolation. Right. I mean, we have as. As folks who are normally mm-hmm. you know more active and get out quite a lot, but yeah, but seniors, the old decrepit people, old <laughs> decrepit people, like you, like you know, the, you were, you're not a good example, but <laughs> um, folks who don't have a means of getting out have nowhere to go. Yep. You know, like to be able to have uh, a place to go is is really important. And I know Porsche's worked really hard, and we're talking about Porsche Kentrell, who founded um, the Silver Pride right. um, group. Who's younger than I am? Yes, yeah, she's not old and decrepit. 
Washington. She's not either of those, actually. <laughs> so we just established something right before the show. That She's I, a revered elder. Go that, ahead. I, that, I, that I didn't realize. David is only six years older than, younger than my dad. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From his dad who's suffering dementia. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty telling. That's mm -hmm. pretty telling. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm in my 40s, so <laughs> I'll let you all do, I'll let you all do the math. <laughs> uh, so that would make me, um, yeah. Uh, I've never put, thought about David being old enough to be my dad. He, could, he, he is he, old enough to be your dad. He'd be a young one, but old enough, yeah. That's pretty scary. <laughs> wow. But you know, people would confuse us as being brothers. Probably. <laughs> hey, I've seen Stranger Things. <laughs> uh, but you know, Portia's really worked hard. I, I know she went up and got training with Sage, which is a, a national organization that focuses on the needs and um, uh, needs and interests of uh, LGBT elderly um, and elders. Um, so we appreciate her investment I can't see her not doing any of this right this was such um, such a passion of hers you know and, and she moved to Dallas not that long ago and she right. really just said hey I'm gonna make an impact on my city with not knowing anyone at City Hall, not knowing anyone in Dallas she just said you know I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make a difference and that's and that's the thing you know leaders show up yeah, and she showed up. I remember her first visit to the LGBT task force at the city of Dallas, and didn't know anybody. I mean, like that's pretty amazing just to to come in and you don't know a soul, um, but she did it, and did. it's a, it's exem exemplary of her, an example of her uh, leadership qualities. So that she's spearheading spearheading all of this change in rec centers and such. I think is fantastic. I want to go back to the rec centers, and you know, you all, you said you all did you know some sensitivity diversity training. Prior to that, um, you know, gr certain groups, particularly the LGBTQ senior um, groups may not have felt so welcome when they go. You know, and, and you pointed out, Debbie, how do you address someone when you walk in? You just say hello. Wait, sometimes it goes beyond that. At rec centers, you, you know, I've been to rec centers and certain groups go to certain open spaces and gather together. Um, it could be, I'm, not, I'm not saying this has happened, hopefully it has not, but it could very well be that a group of LGBT seniors went to gather around and they whoever's working that shift made didn't like it and you know made them feel uncomfortable and may even gone so far to ask them you know you can't gather here well you know I, so i i do feel that so similar situations happen where it was not in a, a a direct or intended to say hey you can't go into the uh into the the grand room to have your meeting but the issue was that 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 meeting space was already occupied in, you know, mm. on the schedule. So mm. when you say, "Hey, you can't you can't meet here," that that's a in saying directly, you can't you right. can't be right. here. When that was not the intent, but the messaging. Right, mm -hmm. right. And so we made sure we were able to accommodate it's, a space. It, it may be saying the same thing, but you can't meet here at that time is different. Then, but the same thing or the same message that you're trying to get across as, oh, we have another group scheduled here at that time. It's right. more important than, than your group. Well, 
but we have another group meeting here at that time says it's not you we want you to come how about such and such time it's all out of communication you just kind of got to be clear clear with the messaging that it's not you that we don't want right. here well Lauren we don't want you but um, <laughs> but there is a difference but I mean like the opposite of love is not hate it's indifference mm-hmm. and when when people are not when when we say they're welcoming that means that's an affirmative thing like they understand um, where you're coming from they know something about you and they welcome you in and embrace you mm-hmm. and let's find a place for you right. in the schedule let's find a, a, an appropriate room for the size of your group let's get you on the schedule so that you can meet and that's we have to a, remember our parks our public space our recreation absolutely space. and that means they're welcome to, to anyone and uh, just yesterday we had a uh, uh, Texas Latino Pride at Rivershawn, mm-hmm. uh, which was an uh, amazing event put on. Um, t- it was great to see so many people um, and allies there as well, just um, having a good time, you know, an outdoor um, music event. festival. Uh, a music festival, but, but it was, you know, all walks of life, so many different organizations. Um, and, and that's my. My goal for Dallas is, is to what we saw yesterday to be reflected throughout the entire city on every block where people feel comfortable being who they are and not um, having to, um, to deal with, with this nonsense. Right. Right. I just want to ask you some other park stuff. Um, one of the things that I know you campaigned on is that there was going to be a new nature preserve at... Yeah. Samuel Grand Samuel Grand mm-hmm. Park, which yes. is over where Shakespeare in the Park takes place. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I, I always believe, you know, we have to listen to our community. We have to listen to the people that are going to be impacted mm-hmm. by our decisions on a day-to-day basis. And so at this particular park in the city of Dallas, uh, first of all, I want to congratulate our park system. We were just reaccredited as one of the best park systems in the entire nation. Oh, Woo-hoo. awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. It's a lot Do you of know, we used to be number one, and we dropped out of the top 20 within just a few years, and it had to do with who the mayor was. And I can't even tell you who, which mayor it was where we dropped out. But it's because you're old and decrepit. I, <laughs> memory's gone. So it's not only my dad who's suffering from possible dementia. No, it's like when I meet people, they say, oh, are you still alive? Um, <laughs> they say that to me, too. It's like this is the late night event, right? I know, I know. Right. <laughs> and I forgot what we were just even <laughs> talking about. We were just talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah, go, go on. So we were in the, uh, the top ten, you said? Uh a long time ago. A long time ago. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So a long time ago, we weren't just the top 10. We were one year listed the top park system. That was sometime like late 80s, early 90s. Um, and, and we really quickly went from being number one to out of the top 20 altogether. Just one that wasn't listed because of budget cutbacks and, uh, you know, parks take a budget to maintain to keep them usable um so now we've gone roaring back so yeah, i mean we're at, uh, <laughs> tuesday we're going to be opening up the groundbreaking of harwood park that's going to be our fifth park in in downtown dallas so adding green space 
has never been as, as it is as much important as it is today than it ever has, especially during the pandemic. We saw our parks just skyrocket in, in usage. And um, recently, Dallas, among other cities, joined an effort to have making sure that every resident was within a 10 minute walk from a neighborhood park. And so we're uh, Working in collaboration. Fifteen minutes if you walk very slowly, like <laughs> us elderly people do. I don't know who the uh, who, who's walking, who, who's uh, who they're uh, timekeeping on, right, on that right. walk. You know, talking about the downtown parks. If you remember Main Street Garden, which is a gorgeous park downtown, uh, used to be a really decrepit parking, parking. garage. Mm -hmm. I mean, just a falling down, broken mm -hmm. piece of garbage in downtown, an eyesore and it became a park. Harwood Park is where? So Harwood Park right now is a surface parking uh, lot as well. And that is uh, adjacent to the Dallas Farmer's Market at a, mm. at a uh, Commerce and um, St. Paul and... And Harwood. And Harwood, yes. What's the name? <laughs> You know, there's been a lot and, and of... that's the only reason I was able to guess that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's been a lot of, of talk in the, in the news in, the last, in recent years about this, the studies that have been done that show um, that wealthier people have 50% more trees where they live than poorer neighborhoods. And that, that's a, a big racial divide. It's just the idea of trees. And it's created heat deserts for people who um, are poorest in our, in our country. Yeah. Well, well, Dallas is the fastest growing heat island in the entire country. Really? Wow. So trees and green spaces are, yeah, are desperately needed to to help come those that, communities yeah. And, yeah. and that's why you know we're, we're doing every effort to uh, take away non-permeable surfaces such as parking lots and replacing them with with green infrastructure mm -hmm. I think it's fantastic because it, in the long term it changes people if you don't live in a neighborhood there where you have green space and trees um, you're going to have a different perspective on life than if you grow up around um, trees and plants and cooler. Yeah, so you know, we have um, a good effort going on in Dallas right now where if you uh, reach out to City Hall in different partnerships, we will actually give out free trees for people to plant in their yards. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it's so important. But the problem in Oak Lawn is that those private yards where you could plant trees are no longer private yards. They're becoming 20-story office buildings and 25-story apartment buildings uh, on streets that were meant for 10 houses that now have hundreds of people living on the street. Um, Hence why Dallas is becoming a uh, heat desert. A that's, heat desert. That's part yeah. of it. Um, you know, I just moved, and my street is one of the few streets in Oak Lawn that's left that has oaks and has lawns. <laughs> yeah. right. And you're laughing, but that's yeah. where the name came from. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, when I moved to Dallas 40 years ago, 42 years ago, um, before either Patty or Laron were born, um, was Oak Lawn was just, it looked like, a North, like what a North Dallas neighborhood looks like now. It right. was all private houses, just about, you know, and, and, and small apartment to, uh, complexes. And that North Park as well mm -hmm. is right now their, their association is realizing 
all the elms are gone. And so we're, we're working with, uh, with the uh, HOA uh, or the, the Neighborhood Association there to, to get elms uh, in the ground. Mm -hmm. We need to take a break. We're talking to Dallas City Councilman Jesse Moreno uh, about District 2 and more. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. Hi, this is Valletta Lill, and I listen to Lambda Weekly. I hope that you will, too. And another one of our former city council people who, again, we need to have Valletta back on because she just uh, became one of the recipients of the Kukling Award Absolutely. at Black Tie Dinner. Um, we're talking to Dallas City Councilman Jesse Moreno. I'm losing my voice because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patty can check it over. I think she had a question. Um, yeah, we were just talking in the break about um, about your work, Jesse, on um, what is a big issue in Dallas, and that is Fair Park. And Fair Park is um, is a treasure. It's a gem in, um, in in this city, and it's owned by the city of Dallas. It's in a neighborhood, obviously. If you're in the city, you're in a neighborhood. Um, and there was a lot of controversy spanning a lot of years over what to do next with Fair Park to keep it vibrant, um, to, to keep its facilities and its, um, its uh, wonderful draw you know, without, active. Without kidding, every time I have a guest in from out of town, I always take them to Fair Park. It's one of my favorite places in the city. And the reaction universally is, this is great. Why is nobody using it? It was, it was it's sitting idle most of the year. Yeah, well, except um, for, for the next uh, thirty or so days, we're yeah. in the <laughs> right. middle right. of the State Fair of Texas. So, uh, hope everyone, uh, if you decide to go out to to the fair, uh, uh, be safe while, while you're out there. Um, yeah, th this was very uh, controversial. Uh, it, we have a lot of money in the city of Dallas. A lot of great partners who are willing to to match uh, what the city's investment is. Uh, and as much as I support public-private partnerships, the public has to be the winner. Even though if someone says, hey, I'm donating $50 million, $100 million to leverage your, your 100, now we have $200 million. They can't buy Fair Park. You can't buy Fair Park. It belongs to the people. As we said earlier, public parks are for the people. Um, and so I think we have a, a really good partner in place right now that are, are going to transform the park in fact, you know, taking a lot of the gates down and making sure it's accessible because people will, who, who live next door see gates and they're like, well, you know, I, I can't access the park. I can't go in. Uh, we live within walking distance of Fair Park and, and we take the Santa Fe Trail up and, and go into uh, Fair Park on, on a uh, regular basis. And I got to tell you, it's a, uh, one of the safest places to have your kids ride a bike because there's very little action going on. Right there's now. little traffic. There's I mean, traffic. You, there's places to ride your bike, but not for cars to drive. Right. And so, That's you perfect. know, the last time I used Fair Park, though, I made some of those places where you can drive because they were giving COVID vaccines and I was going to a wedding. <laughs> and so uh, I, I don't wait on lines. So I uh, went around gate eight and I said, hey, let's try gate 14. Gate 14, we drove around. No, that was where they were giving second shots. So I said, well, let's go around to the back. So a police officer waved us down and I said, we're going to a wedding over at the Discovery Gardens. He said, do you know how to get there? And the person driving said, no. I said, oh, yeah, we know how to get there. So we you drove just cut across the line, didn't you? 
We drove down the sidewalks. <laughs> it was the only way to get there from where we entered. There are different times. It is busy at Fair Park. So, so no, yeah. We just went there. That. We went to go see Wicked right. three weeks ago. Oh, dear God, was it busy. Yeah, so, so no, you know, you're absolutely right. There, there, there is so many events happening at Fair Park. Yeah. But we just need to do a better job of promoting what's happening. And, and that's just something the city never really had the uh, the tool set to do mm-hmm. and now with this new management group they're able to have a, a, a real robust uh, uh, website and, and marketing team to to engage people and letting them know hey these are the different events that are happening unfortunately COVID has hit and that really uh, you know it slowed it down it slowed it down but, 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 but it's gonna we're gonna see a lot of great things um, uh, council member Basil do is, is, is super engaged with with uh, uh, with the fair park and the management team making sure that my, my biggest thing is remembering we yes we want to do updates and yes we want to do renovations but who are we doing it for right we have to remember that that community that's been around fair park are the ones who have been uh investing and sacrificing for 50 100 years and we know that when we invest one dollar into our park systems we get seven dollars in return but again, we have to make sure that we limit displacement and that we limit mm-hmm. um, the impact onto to the neighborhood around it. And that that park is, when it's built, when it's finished five years from now, that the people who've lived there for, for generations can take advantage of, of the, uh, the new amenities um, at Fair Park. Okay, so, so talking about neighborhoods and impact that some development in Reverchon Park would have had. Uh, building a stadium inside Reverchon Park. <laughs> cough, cough. W- well, we can blame that one on the previous councilman <laughs> in that district. <laughs> the previous councilman in that district, we won't mention Adam's name. Um, but what was the thinking there? Because uh, Maple Avenue is four lanes. Mm-hmm. In, in front, yeah, it is four lanes over there, um, with no parking. What were we were we just going to destroy the park? So I, I do have to say, uh, you know, uh, when I was on the park board and, and Mayor Pro Tim and Ronald, when he was on the council, uh, we both voted against the idea of uh, putting in a uh, minor league stadium. So was his predecessor Pauline, who her, her brilliant idea? No, no, uh, this was. Uh, I'm just blaming. This was from an outside uh, council member yeah. who, who was not in District Two. Um, Who shall remain nameless? <laughs> what happened to that whole project? So that whole project, uh, I mean, you know, everyone can go back and, and, and look at the uh, uh, the votes and, and, and the uh, uh, the roadmap. But basically, uh, Park Board approved it, even though I didn't. Uh, it passed, went on to City Council. Council um, denied it. And then... A council member uh, asked for a reconsideration vote at the following meeting, uh, which was then approved to build a stadium. Um, and, and this would would have been a minor league baseball minor stadium league in place of the softball stadium that's there. Now in, the in softball stadium the, in, in place of the baseball field that's there. It, it, and the stands in that baseball field are about a hundred years mm-hmm. old. They're decrepit. I'm not saying that doesn't need to be replaced, mm-hmm. but when you're talking about for the people, for 
yeah. local softball sure. teams sure. And yeah, yeah, for yeah, their yeah, fans you know, and, and you're, family. You're absolutely right. You know, and, uh, the biggest thing to remember is right now is that the neighbors that live most adjacent to the park adamantly only want a restored ball field. They don't want a stadium. Uh, they want to restore the historic uh, field that has been there for, for 100, uh, over 100 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what the neighbors want. They, they want a, a field uh, to be used the way it has been for the last 100 years, not, not to have a change of, of use uh, where you now have concerts, where you now have uh, minor league games. And so it's so important to the neighbors. And people always you know, think, well, there's not a neighborhood around there. And it's not only single-family homes that, that define a neighborhood. There's high-rises. There's people that live in those high-rises. That's their neighborhood mm -hmm. park. That's the park they go to. Uh, the same way I go to, I walk to my park to to, uh, to uh, play basketball or to uh, just read a book. That's the same equivalence to to someone who lives in, the, in a high-rise. And uh, and what they've told me time in and time out for the past few years is that. The only thing they want is to restore the ball field. They're in support of having the local high school DISC team from North Dallas to play there because they've been playing there for, for years, and then they want to continue seeing those kids play in a high-quality field but not a stadium. Going back to Fair Park, you know, you're saying how most of the year is you know, sitting idle. You know, is it more of an issue of competition? There are so many different hot spots throughout Dallas-Fort Worth now. The city's grown, or the Metroplex has grown. You know, everybody knows about what's going on in Arlington. They have two new stadiums, um, plus Six Flags. Well, North Dallas and Frisco, they have a new stadium also. Um, the, the biggest, well, one of the biggest draws at uh, Fair Park used to be the Cotton Bowl. Well, I think that's their only big game now. Uh, you know, the, tex the Texas versus Oklahoma game. That's now played in Arlington. And the you one know. that they played yesterday. That's right. So, so it's like so many things are taking business yeah. away. Well, you know, to, to, to that note is the neighbors did propose, why don't you build this stadium at Fair Park? They did. I remember that. And yeah. um, it was about location. You know, people uh, wanted to build something in one of the most desirable parts of, of the city. Yeah. One of the things I think is absolutely brilliant about Fair Park, and less so about City Hall, literally, the building, um, is, the, is the dark connection. When, and, and so this is, this is news, if you've never been to Fair Park, for the State Fair of Texas, do it by rail. Drops you off right there. I Literally going. in the front. I the stopped front. going to the State Fair because you couldn't find parking. Mm -hmm. uh, the last time I went driving and parked, I had to park over in Deep Ellum and walk. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, That's a long way. And now you can take the train, there, and DART is adding special trains, mm -hmm. additional trains because of the traffic back the and forth. The TRE is running on Sunday to connect into the Green Line, which... The green line uh, takes you in. Uh, another thing that's happened, um, I, I think it's temporary, I hope it stays, that happened at Fair Park is the last actual pride we had was held at Fair Park. I thought it was great. We had a great time. My kid loved it. Uh, again, I think it's probably temporary, but I hope it stays. Yeah, well, that one will, will uh, definitely just continue the uh, conversation. I know there's uh, folks that definitely went it back um, yeah. on this trip, and then folks who, who, like you said, you know, were were pleased uh, with, with the uh, with the location. But back to Dart, 
connectivity is one of my biggest things. Mm-hmm. And I want to, Dallas is such a car centric city. Uh, as you all know, we recently had a couple of uh, pedestrian accidents mm-hmm. along Cedar Springs. And so making sure that Dallas is thinking forward and, and as more people move into, into the city, we, we have to start thinking less car centric and, and thinking about how do we encourage vehicles to stop to, for pedestrians we, pedestrians just you know they're just flying down the streets uh, and, and we and we have we have crosswalks y'all know we have crosswalks mm-hmm. uh, on the strip now but people are still just you know on their phones they're splashing yellow lights saying slow down and so we just have to we have to do more and we have to be more creative uh making sure that that no one gets hurt uh while they're in our entertainment districts so that's been an issue there forever have they thought about just putting in an actual light? Like, uh, what's that, a few feet away where the, where the uh, fire station sign. is? The, or a stop sign where the fire station is to actually stop people? Well, normally because there are th- stop signs on a street that wide. But, but a light there, there could be. Well, they added a light down by the library, and yeah, that's slowing things down a little bit. No, I'm talking about where the I'm, fire station at is. At Reagan. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at it. Yeah, because the flashing about, lights don't seem to be working. And that's what's <laughs> great about having these conversations, right, is is having ideas uh, that one day hopefully will become reality. And we don't have all the answers. So I always appreciate having these uh, engagements and having these conversations because we, we learn from one another. You know, I think it's it's so interesting because you know, in, in Texas, everybody's, especially here, everybody's got to have their horse. And, you know, we need more wagons. Um, But I think it would be, I I think something that could be really helpful to our city is for DART to really seriously rethink how the buses connect to rail and and the schedules and the routes that they're on. I know it's like this hub and spoke kind of ideas. And um, we need need better connectivity for people to do that. And I would love to see a... A city of Dallas DART partnership at least to do some serious town halls and that's to hit every major neighborhood and not just like six across the city I mean like deep dive listen to what people want and the ways that they use public transportation and the ways they would like to so there's that there's that that quote it's on DART materials about you know that's it's not you can't measure mass transit uh, public transportation by the people um, the people who need it. You measure it by the people who don't need it. If they continue to ride, the rich people would ride the transit, you know, um, because it's so good. <laughs> like they do in D.C. and other places. It's just better. Much better. It's just better than trying to get there with a car. You know, with that, I'm going to add, um, I'm going to throw, throw in a recommendation on who y'all need to have uh, next on, on uh the show, and that's Husana, who's our new DART appointee, who uh, is really, uh, she's, she was, uh, she ran for council, uh, wasn't successful, but, but uh, her, uh, her opponent um, uh, nominated her and was successful to get her um, on the DART board. We're having a bigger uh, accountability on our DART board members and making sure they're listening, making sure that they're taking uh, questions that the community is having, as you mentioned. The routes have to change, but so do the the, the level of services. Mm-hmm. We have so many people that work in the service industry that get out at three, four in the morning, exactly, and have nowhere to uh, to jump on a bus or, mm-hmm. or on a ride back home. Uh, 
and if we're gonna if we're ever going to change the mindset of of uh, not centralizing around our cars the same goes for, for the patrons who are going down to our bars and entertainment venues we, we have to give them a, a more options to take public transportation right and that's and that's I threw in City Halsey because we where you have eight members of the 15 15 board uh, member board and how the hell we don't have a stop right in front of City Hall when people so many people do business at City Hall well on the is beyond me it's on like, the that extension was line uh, which would go around downtown the other half of downtown that isn't served by a dart rail line there would be a stop at city hall yeah, so in I the think lines that i've seen proposed right and that's one of the things i think has been long missing you know because i i would i would be taking i'm a big dart um proselytizer out here but i love um, taking dart and you know when you talk about people who n not just the people who need to use dart but the ones who don't right the State Fair is the perfect example. Jesse, we are out of time. Uh, I want to thank you for being thank here today. Thank you so much. Yeah, come back yeah. sometime. And come back you. again and again. And next time I'll, I'll be sure to bring Monica. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can get all the dirt that way. <laughs> now, say hi to Monica for us, uh, for all of us here at Lambda. Oh, and I just wanted to say the person who we had announced last week was going to be on she had to go into quarantine, so we're hoping she's okay, hoping she can be on over the next couple of weeks. Um, but that is the first time during the pandemic that that's happened to us, where we lost a, a guest quarantining because of COVID. Um, she should be fine. She is fully vaccinated. So, uh, well, your, I was a good substitute. You well, were you're a wonderful awesome. substitute. Perfect. You're awesome. And, and thank you for filling in at the last minute. So for all of us here at Lambda Weekly, have a good week. <laughs>